uh, on the teaching. Lord, I love you and I thank you. Thank you for what you already spoken to my heart and what a, a privilege that I get to pass it on to your people. Thank you that your word uh, will not come back void, that it accomplishes the purpose by which you sent it out and nothing can stop that. And so I have the privilege of sharing your word with these dear people. And I ask blessings. Bless those Lord, who are watching online and that they would understand the truth and know the truth sets free and teach us to walk in your ways, to walk out your truth. Lord, I love you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Christ esteemed. Let's dig in. John chapter 1. I want you to look at verse 17. This is going to be a text. I really want to springboard into Romans 8. So the law was given through Moses. But grace and truth were realized, became real through Jesus Christ. Okay, the law through Moses. Is the law good? By the way, that actually is a question that the scriptures give us. Is the law a good thing? And what does Paul say about the law? Is it good? Yes or no? It's good. The law is good. The law has a purpose. What does the law accomplish for us? It teaches us, hey, this is bad. Run away from it. Hey, this is good. Run to it. We need the law. It's, it establishes something fascinating called right and wrong. <laughs> we need the law. Can you imagine um, what it would be like to drive in Little Rock with no red lights? No traffic signals of any kind. Do you think it'd be chaos? Well, yeah, there's foreign countries that, that don't have lights. I know I've, I was in Russia. I don't think I've ever been more afraid of driving than when I was in Russia. And all the cars are all banged and dented. Why? Because you just drive in. It's like your little red blood cell and you're in a vein and you're going to get in that big artery whether you like it or not. And you're going to get bumped along the way. It was crazy. And you, I would just close my eyes and just say, dear God, get us, get us through this intersection. So um, I, I know what, what, what it's like to be in places like that, El Salvador, Russia, and, um, and then, of course, the UK. And, you know, it's interesting that the country with some of the top universities in the world, it's so strange, just an observation with you people. Why do they drive on the wrong side of the road? You'd think it's smart. It's those people are. It's a whole other issue. So the law is good, right? Right and wrong, regulation. Traffic would be chaotic without regulation. All kinds of things. A, a, a society that is lawless always reverts to chaos and anarchy, always. A home that is lawless is a chaotic home, right? The law is good. The law came through Moses. But grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The concept here is it's a, it's a perfect verb. The idea is no one has seen God completely in this ongoing kind of way. But God's son has seen him. And look at this. This is beautiful in, in the original language. The one who has seen God is with God. The one, and I'm reading from the New American Standard, the one who is in the arms of the Father. Jesus is in the arms of the Father, and he has explained him. That's amazing language. So you want to get at the heart of Christ's esteem, Christ church. You have to understand that Jesus explains God. All right? Moses does not explain God. 
Moses can explain the laws that God has given. Certainly that gives us insight. But Jesus explains God. And he explains it with such authority that Jesus can say, if nothing else, just look at me. If nothing else, listen to me. If nothing else, watch me. By the way, he even pushes it so far and says, look, if you have a hard time believing in me, believe in my works. Just watch what I do. That's enough to explain God. You want to get God? Look at Jesus. Okay. There's nobody like Jesus. Nobody. You can chase after Eastern, Eastern mystical religions, all the isms, Buddhism, Taoism, and all the other isms. No one is like Jesus. No one. He explains God. All right, let's go deep with it. Let's go deep. Turn to Romans 8. Romans 8. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. Therefore, (laughs) something happened. (laughs) Therefore, there is no condemnation no, it's a legal term and it means a sentence of judgment. A sentence that renders the victim guilty or the perpetrator guilty. There is no guilty sentencing for any who are in Christ Jesus. For the law that Moses gave, no, The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death, which is the law of Moses. What is the purpose of the law? You read Galatians 4, to expose you as guilty. All have come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And the law proves us all sinful people. For what the law of Moses, for what the law could not do, weak as it was, through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So that the requirement of the law, which Moses gave, might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Turn to Isaiah 53. It's, it is literally some of the greatest and most beautiful things that you read from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report? Who's believed our report? Let me stop there for just a minute. You know, I, I, I bantered with you just a little bit about what would it be like to drive without traffic signs and regulations. And yeah, ha ha, it'd be chaotic, you know. And then you, you, know, you might think, well, we, we're, we, people, we humans were nice. We could, we could do well at an intersection with no substance. Okay, sure, I agree. For a lot of you, until some teenager with a new license comes through, or worse yet, some geriatric patient comes through, and they're clueless. And then all of a sudden, your, your, your car is the one that's smashed up. It's not so funny now, huh? To drive without, without 
traffic signs and laws and regulations. That would be a terrible way to live, right? Look at this, Isaiah 53. Who's believed our report? Can you imagine, and I'm teasing your brains, I'm trying to get you to think, can you imagine life without Jesus? What would planet Earth be like without Jesus? Think about it. It'd be a mess. It's already a mess. It would be something far worse than we can imagine. And guess what? Not everybody believes our report. Does everybody believe and accept your faith? There are people that think we are mentally insane because of what we do right now. Yeah, not everybody believes. Not everybody believes that Jesus is worth believing in. Not everyone believes that the words of Jesus make sense. By the way, I appreciated Jordan Peterson and what he said about the words of Jesus. He says you can't deny them. I appreciated his comment. Not everybody believes us. And so Isaiah said, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him as a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we would look at him, nor an appearance that we would take pleasure in him. He was despised and abandoned by men, a man of great pain and familiar with sickness. By the way, sickness, it's a great translation. Deuteronomy, or rather, um, Jeremiah 17 says that the human heart is desperately wicked. And in Hebrew, it is sick, so sick, so ill that it's beyond curing. Jeremiah says, he's a man of great pain, familiar with sickness, like one with whom people hide their faces and we thought Jesus was good looking. Oh my goodness. He was the one that people would turn their face. And he was despised. And we had no regard for him. However, it was our sicknesses and our pains that he carried. I'm so sorry, I'm gonna drop that a little bit, Stephen. And our sicknesses that he carried. And yet we ourselves assumed that he was afflicted, struck down by God and humiliated, and he was pierced for our offenses, crushed for our wrongdoings, our iniquities, and the punishment of our well-being was laid on him. By his wounds were healed. It's beautiful. By his wounds we heal. I saw Scott Yeager in the hospital, and I, I prayed that over him. The requirement of the law would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. Back at Romans 8, verse 5. Before I read this, you understand Christ Church? What I'm about to read is going to separate us. It's going to be the sword that separates quickly, very quickly, between those who are in Christ and those who aren't. And I'm afraid, Christ Church, that some of you, your belief in Jesus is a theory. You believe in the idea of Jesus. You believe in the idea of a savior figure, but you do not follow Jesus. It's like there are some women who believe in the idea of love, but don't know love. And some men are captured with the idea and the theory of love, but they don't know love. They believe in the idea of a God who made the heavens and the earth, but they know nothing really of him. They do not repeat his words. They do not walk in his ways. Pay attention to what the truth of God says. This is the sharp sword. Verse 5. 
those who are in accord or in accordance with the flesh. Don't miss the English. It's hard. It's easier in Greek. English is tough. Who set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, the word mindset, it's almost like, like I've got to set my coffee mug here. I set my mug there. That's not what it says. When it says the mindset, it's saying the way the brain is oriented. It's what your brain is really like. So the brain that's really fleshy, that's the mindset. It's really fleshy. It's not born again. The not born again person, the mindset on the flesh is very, very different than the mindset, the mind that's been born again, the human that's been born again. The mind that's set on the flesh results in death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace because the mindset on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not even submit itself to the law of God. Not even to Moses, let alone to God. Not even to the words of God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. It's not even able to do that. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I'm afraid some of you believe in the theory of God. But you have no relationship with God. And in that case, you cannot please Him. I cannot please Him. I love verse 9. You know, you hear these things and you go, man, that hurts. Well, it's the truth. Welcome to the truth. Welcome to regulations. But there's grace. Grace and truth. The law came through Moses. But grace and truth were realized in Jesus. Look at verse 9. Could it be more beautiful than this? Look at who he's talking to. However, you are not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. And then Paul is not one to mince words, says, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, sisters, we are under obligation. There's, there's something we do. We've got to respond to these things. We're under obligation not to the flesh mind and living it out according to the flesh, but rather, and Paul, by the way, <laughs> Paul's so taken with what he's saying, he doesn't even complete the concept. Did you notice? <laughs> he's so taken with what he's saying, he doesn't even finish the sentence. Right out of the Greek, there's no bending this one. He's so caught up with the reality of what he's saying, he can't even finish the thought. See, he says, you know, so then brothers and sisters are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. You know what Paul is saying? We're under obligation to the spirit, but he doesn't say it. <laughs> he's so caught up, he just keeps going. And so he says, for if you live in accordance with this flesh, you're going to die. 
But if you live by the Spirit, you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So um, let me give you some, some very pointed things here. We all have mothers and fathers who have failed us greatly. Our moms and dads and our grandfathers and grandmothers, they botch it. Man, aunts and uncles can botch it and become some of the most horrific people on planet Earth. Okay, sorry, bad, real bad. There's therapy for that, okay? <laughs> it's bad, but guess what? Guess what? It is very clear that even though we are those people who are recipients of those kinds of parental influences or whoever, criminals and all those things, guess what? God says, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear. You don't have to live in fear, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out out the Father. In other words, Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Spirit can be the perfect mom you've always wanted, always needed. The perfect dad you've always wanted, always needed. You have a spirit of adoption if, in fact, you set your mind on the Spirit. If you set your mind on the flesh, let me, please hear me, Christ Church, if you set your mind on the flesh, God, God is not a, a loving father, a loving mother at that moment. He's not the tender, nurturing parent. All of a sudden, he becomes... Obscure, distant, and confusing. And you're not even sure if he exists. Because your brain is so goofed up on the way the world thinks. You can't tell truth from lies. And you consider that one plus one might equal three. That's not good. Verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And of children heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed... We suffer with him that we might be glorified with him. You know, I want to talk about the spirit for just a second. Drop down to verse 26. This is the victory. We have an obligation. Let's walk out the victory. There it is. What's our obligation? Walk out the victory and flood in the spirit. So verse 26. Now in the same way, the spirit also helps our weaknesses. Anybody here struggle with weaknesses? <laughs> you know. In the same way, the Spirit helps our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Intercedes, um, steps right in the middle of. That's a good way to put it, intercedes. Knows how to get right in between. It's right in between us and God. He intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. For he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit, what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know, we've settled it, we've settled it, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. 
Look at this. I want you to see one more thing. Look at verse 34. Drop down here. So who is the one that brings condemnation to the Christian? By the way, there is now therefore no condemnation. Same word. Kataklima. Same word. A sentence. A guilty sentencing. So who's the one that, that renders the guilty sentence? It is Christ Jesus. And what he declares not guilty is not guilty. So Christ Jesus is he who died, but rather was raised. He is now at the right hand of God who, who what? Intercedes for us. Do you understand that Jesus intercedes, not just the Holy Spirit? Do you understand that when you, in your weaknesses and your struggles, and things are getting difficult between you and God, that the Spirit runs right in the middle of that and intercedes for you? Do you understand that the Holy Spirit does this regularly? And do you understand that Jesus runs right in between and intercedes for you as well? Verse 37, and all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us, for I am convinced, Paul is confessing, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is beautiful. And that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ Church, you have heard the word of the living God. You've heard the truth. How do we live this out? How do we live out the authority of Romans chapter 8? When we speak at Christ Church, we speak with dignity. We, we speak with kindness. We're polite. We also are not trying to make up for not making a kickball team in third grade either. Okay, I'm sorry if you've got a bruised ego. I'm sorry. Not getting picked for kickball or, you know, being the last one picked is a hard thing. I know. But that's not what this is about. In fact, if I could put it in the words of Paul, it would be 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, where Paul says that when we are in Jesus and we walk with Jesus, Margaret, we have an ability to apply spiritual concepts, ideas, and to put them in words. We know how to take what the Holy Spirit gives us and we know how to talk about it. We know how to speak spiritually. That's what we do. Why? Because we're building each other up. We always honor scripture and be careful to not offer the counsel of hypocrisy. We will not accept that at Christ Church. So you are the body of Christ. Romans 8. How do we live this out? Do you have questions? How do we walk out? Paul's teaching that you can't have a mindset of flesh. You can't, you can't live that way. It leads to death. You have to have a mindset of the Spirit. Frank Pearson, I just put my glasses on and there you are. It's amazing what glasses do. Hello. You know it means so much that you're here. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. It's amazing what you see when you get glasses on. Stephen? Hey, Carrie Hager online uh, wanted to add some supporting verses. Okay. Um, John 14, 6. Uh, 
Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And then John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living, living and holy sacrifice to the to God, which is your spiritual act of service. Spiritual service and worship. Yes, Carrie, thank you. And uh, Carrie, something I've noticed about you is you are not ashamed of the gospel and you are not ashamed of scripture. You always speak scripture. It has been written on your heart and I can tell. Yes. Someone else. How do we live out the mindset of the spirit according to Paul's writings in Romans 8? that's so good that is one of our obligations it's like Paul said oh no one anything don't owe money to anybody except this we're obligated to owe what love you just quoted from Philippians 2 that we have a mindset in us that is found in Jesus who literally lived for others that's beautiful thank you Todd someone else why does this matter anybody yes Janice Say that again for those who. It's hard to do, isn't it, Janice? Yeah, that requires something that we, a medicine that we don't think tastes so good. It's called humility, but that's another, another teaching. Janice in First John. He writes this in chapter, chapter two. Forgive my fingers don't work like they used to. You know, you get these new Bibles. I could have quoted it, but I thought I'd read it. My little children, 
I'm writing these things to you that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, what do we have? We have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus. Advocacy means he gets in between. He steps in between. I wonder what the conversation would be like when Jesus acts on my, on my behalf. When he, I wonder what it would be like. So I went to a wedding yesterday and it was really a beautiful wedding. It was like I had the sense that I was actually in a scene from a Hallmark show. I'm not kidding. It was beautiful. I don't know if you saw that, Lisa, but it was, um, uh, it was a chapel, but it was only white steel frame. So it's like something a child would build, it's just a frame, and then you step back about four feet, and a frame, and back about four feet, it's beautiful. And of course it was below 40, it was close to freezing, and it was very cold and later in the day. So someone was very, very smart, and they had a couple dozen blankets there. And so we, we need to get your blanket as you're walking, and, just, and we're all kind of snuggled up, getting over the blankets, and you know, kind of shivering a bit, watching the wedding. And it was that, that beautiful moment. It, often in most wedding ceremonies, not much is done of it. You know, who gives this right away? Mom and dad do. Okay, bye. See you. We're done. And they walk off. I, I think there's more there that needs to be developed. This dad, pretty muscled up dude, Nikki's dad, walks up to Ryan and hugs him and says something in his ear. No one knows. I want to know. Did you threaten to kill him? <laughs> you hurt my daughter, and I'm gonna, gonna make you pay. Break your thumbs, bend the knees, and then your neck. What did he say? I'm so happy. She's getting you. You're a wonderful son-in-law. Did he say that? What did he say? What does God say when Chris Perry sins? What does God say? Does he come up to God? Because according to John 1.18, Jesus resides. Okay, the Greek is unusual. It literally means this. The place between the two arms. <laughs> Jesus resides in the bosom. Or as the NAS 2020 says, Jesus is right now in the arms of God. How's that for imagery? Can you imagine Jesus coming up? I know Chris Perry struggles. I know. I know. He's mine. No condemnation. I love you, Daddy. Chris, come here. We've got to talk. <laughs> Let's talk about discipleship. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Is that what he says when he intercedes? I don't know. Maybe he says, I know he's an idiot and this has happened before, but come on, you know. It's... What does he say? I don't know. I think he says something about me being his son because I have not received spirit of slavery which always leads to fear. I've received a spirit of adoption so that I can say, Abba, 
you're not mad at me? Dad? Can I come close and go to the place that's between your arms too? Is that okay? Come here. I love you, buddy. Let me pray over you. Um, Abba Father, uh, the one who sits here and struggles with the idea of you, and that's as far as their faith goes, would you please grab them by the heart and open their eyes to understand your son, Jesus? To the one who thinks it's not worth it to serve you anymore because life's just too hard, encourage them. But for those who are in your son, thank you that there's now no condemnation. And thank you that we can live out the peace and the life that you give us. You are so kind. Abba, Father, have mercy on us according to your steadfast love. Thank you for Carrie Ager speaking truth. Thank you for Scott. Heal Scott. We as the body of Christ all say in one spirit and unity, please heal Scott, please. Thank you, Abba, Father getting our hearts ready to sing and to put truth to melody as an offering to please you. Pray that we sing with all our hearts and hold nothing back. In Jesus' name, amen.